Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And you know, when I think of, it says, therefore laying aside all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking, you know, there's some terms in here that I don't know about you, but they they don't make a whole lot of sense to me. And really what they are is different shades of badness, (laughs) different shades of evil. And that's all they really are, but it's all bad. It's all bad. You know, when we think of malice, I don't know about you, I don't use that in my common everyday language. I don't use that word hardly ever. I read it, but I never use it. I never say, so-and-so was full of malice. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins a three-part series in 1 Peter chapter 2. In these opening verses, Peter explains to these new Christians he is writing to that they should refrain from the bad habits that they had in the past. They are now students of the Word of God and need to grow to maturity. And the Bible says, If indeed they have tasted that the Lord is gracious. This is true for us today. When we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we start out as babes that desire the pure milk of the Word. It's by His Holy Spirit and His Word that we mature in our walk with Him. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. Lord, your Word is is awesome to us, Lord. We want to take everything in. And Lord, we, we thank you for... Uh, people like the Apostle Peter, Lord, who, through your word, Lord, you've shown to us that, Lord, he's, he's a mere man. He's, he's a human being with all of his mistakes, all of his sin issues that we all have, God, that we can come to you. And there's, we don't have to come to you uh, all cleaned up, Lord. We can come to you in the mess that we are in. And, Lord, you're the one who is faithful to clean us and to cleanse us. And Lord, you're the one who continually cleans us and cleanses us. So we thank you for that. And Lord, as we open your word, just speak to our hearts. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The last time we were together, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 1. And we were looking at the latter part of that chapter where Peter says, uh, you know, be holy for I am holy. And this is the Lord speaking. And, and that whole section, if you remember, was really just an, an exhortation to all of us to live holy lives. You know, God has placed his spirit within us. If we're a child of God, if we are bound for heaven, the only entrance to heaven is the Holy Spirit within us. Because when the Holy Spirit is in you, God no longer sees you and me in our sinful state. He sees us perfected in Christ. And that is the only way, the only admission ticket to heaven is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we looked at that, and then we get into, uh, and then in the last part of that chapter, it talked about the enduring word. 
that the word of God abides forever. That long after this current heavens and this current earth, one day, says in Peter, all of these things are going to be dissolved with fervent heat, and a new heavens and a new heaven will be created. And this is way into the future, at least a thousand and seven years from today. If the Lord came back today, at least a thousand and seven years. But he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And in it will dwell righteousness. And you and I will be there forever. And that is the eternal state. That's where we will spend eternity forever with Christ and all of redeemed mankind. And so the word of God abides forever. This earth will flee away, but God's word will remain forever. You know, if you look at what you have in your lap this morning, it's kind of interesting, isn't it, to think that after thousands of years, this book is still speaking to us because it's God's word. It's living. It's not just some manuscript. It's not some ancient book that has no meaning for us today. It actually is the roadmap to our life and to into Christ. It reveals to us who we are. And it also shows us who God is and his plan of redemption to save you and I from our sin and the path that he went through, the meandering of history and the wonderful prophecy, the prophecies that are written in here. God knows the end from the beginning and he knows you perfectly. And there's no reason for you today to leave this place feeling condemned because of anything you've ever done, because Christ has paid the price once and for all for your sin and for my sin. And there's no reason that you can't live a life abundant and full of joy. Do you know that's the life that God wants to give you? A living hope. A living hope is what you need. You look around in the world today and there's no living hope. There's no hope in the world, I should say. All the thing that man does and, and, and all the wonderful things, and there's some really good things that man can do. But in the end, they all are going to dissolve. And in the end, there's only one thing that remains, and that's the Word of God. And what are you going to do with that information? What are you going to do with that truth? It is God's hope that you'll come to Him with your heart wide open, that you'll no longer hide. Even as Christians, we can no longer hide behind religion. We can no longer hide behind good works We have to remember there's one work that was done on the cross, and that is our ticket to salvation. There's nothing good you you and I can do to earn our way to heaven. And that's why it's a living hope. We're alive right now. The Spirit of God indwells you if you're a child of God. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back in the clouds very soon, hopefully today before the service is over, and he's going to say, come up here. And we are, our bodies are going to be transformed and we are going to be caught up together with him to meet him in the air and forever we will be with the Lord. And we will come back seven years later with him when he comes to physically to earth as he sets foot on the Mount of Olives and sets up his millennial reign, the thousand-year reign of Christ. Do you believe that? That's what the Bible says. And you know, the Lord has been faithful to us All throughout history, he's never lied to you. One of his names is faithful and true. He cannot lie. He can't even, he can't lie because if you know everything, there's no reason to lie. Have you ever thought of that? If you knew everything, I mean every single thing, you knew everything before it even began, you knew what what, what was coming. Nothing was a surprise to you. There's no need to lie then, is there? We lie because we like to hide from the truth. 
But he knows the truth. He is the truth. So there's no reason to hide. As a Christian, we can come to him with all of our filth, with all of our sin, and say, Lord, forgive me. And what does it say in 1 John chapter 1? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to not only forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the greatest thing going. And do you know him? Do you know him? He wants to know you even better. Actually, he knows you, but he wants you to know him because therein is the greatest blessing you'll ever know is to know the one who loves you, who cares for you, the one who made you. I'm so glad that he knows us inside out. He knows my very being. I don't even know myself. Have you ever thought to yourself, well, I know that I would do this under a certain circumstance? We really don't, do we? We really don't know ourselves completely, but he knows us so intimately, so perfectly. And yet his love for us is so great. So we have this living hope that the world doesn't have, and yet it is our joy, our privilege to share that truth with a world that is dying in its sin. Because God loves people. He loves people. He doesn't care what you are. He doesn't care if you're a serial killer, if you're a murderer, if you're a thief, if you're a liar. It doesn't matter what you are. The door is wide open for you. If you know Jesus, he said, narrow is the gate that leads to life. But everyone is welcome on it. Everyone is welcome on it. And so Peter here is talking to this, these strangers, these Jews who from the, from the day of Pentecost, when they became born again, the first century church was mainly Jewish. They were Jews. The, the, the church was started with Jews. And because of persecution in that first century, you remember the Romans came after the, the Jews in 70 AD and finally scraped the temple burned it and, and pulled the rocks off the, the temple mount. They're there to this day. I've sat on them. They're there. They're testimony to what happened in 70 AD. And, but yet the, the Christians were scattered all throughout the Roman Empire, scattered. And Peter wanted to encourage them that they have a living hope, that they have a living hope. And so in, verse, in chapter 2, excuse me, let's just read... Uh, Verse 1 down through verse 12. I doubt we'll get through all of it today. <laughs> it says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him, notice, on him, will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you, underline that, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Do you know you're special in the, in the sight of God? Even right now, if you failed this week, you may think to yourself, I just, I'm not worthy of God. Well, none of us really are. But to know that God loves you, regardless of what you've done today, 
His love is so unlike the love that we see in the world that we even share toward one another. Because I'm imperfect, and so are you. We are not perfect. And even our love that, that God is using through us is not consistent always. And the, 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 the intensity of, of God's purity is not always blazing through us because of our nature, because of our sin sometimes. We, we block that flow. But sometimes, and I love it when we, when, we, when we are submitted and we let God work in and through us, and it's pure. It's pure. It's unselfish. And God loves to use you. Let him use you. But he said, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Here it is, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And we'll just stop right there because I don't think we're going to get much farther than that. But let's go back to verse 1 there because there's some words in here that we have to understand. And you know, when I think of, it says, therefore laying aside all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking, you know, there's some terms in here that I don't know about you, but they, they don't make a whole lot of sense to me. And really what they are is different shades of badness, <laughs> different shades of evil. And that's all they really are, but it's all bad. It's all bad. You know, when we think of malice, I don't know about you, I don't use that in my common everyday language. I don't use that word, hardly ever. I read it, but I never use it. I never say, so-and-so was full of malice. I just, I don't. I just say, that person was a jerk, <laughs> right? We, we say that. We've got to be careful about that. But anyway, but the idea of malice is wickedness that is not ashamed to break laws. There's, just, there's no internal uh, confidence of, of God anywhere, and it's just darkness inside. You have no, no, restraint, no restraint in your heart. You're, just, you're not even ashamed to break uh, the law. And deceit, we know what that is. That's just a meaning to decoy, to trick to bait somebody, and, and that's what deceit is, and we see that all around us. And hypocrisy, we know what hypocrisy is. That's saying one thing and then doing something else, claiming to be something and yet showing something else in reality and practice. And this word, we, we've heard this so many times before, but it's, it's the root of the word is hypocritos, and it, it's a Greek word where the Greek tragedies, you've you seen those old Greek plays where they were, you know, mimes or whatever like that, and they'd have a little face and a smiley face, and they'd hold up the placard on their face, and they'd walk around, and there's, uh, they have a smiley face, and then they hold up another one, and it's a sad face. Well, that's the idea behind this. It's hypocrisy. Because it's just a facade. It's something that I, you see, but what you don't see is the real me underneath. And see, that's the thing that God wants to strip away from us, the hypocrisy. He wants us to live lives wherever we're at. Whatever we're doing, we need to live for him and be consistent. Not be a certain way at church and a different way at home and a different way at church or in our workplace. Let your life be examined by the word of God and come to the place where, Lord, I want to be consistent wherever I'm at. I don't want to be... Um, guilty of hypocrisy. And then we look at the next word, envy. That's just jealousy. Have you ever been jealous of somebody? You know, and Peter's saying, lay aside these things. Lay aside these things. Lay aside the evil speaking. And we, uh, that's just defamation, backbiting. Those are things that we see often in the world today, and it's really unfortunate. He goes, as newborn babes, and here's the command, as newborn babes, as these believers were, they were fairly new. 
He says, Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And I love this word desire because it's a little more intense than our English. It just it means to intensely crave or long after. Do you desire the pure milk of the word? And the word pure is very simple. It's unadulterated. It's unmixed. It's without dishonest intent. It's not mixed with anything. And you know, the word of God is like that for us. The word of God is holy. It's pure. In James chapter 3, verse 17, it says this. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. God is pure. God is holy. His word is pure. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. God is not partial. He doesn't look upon different people and say, well, you've got more money than this person, therefore I favor you better. You've got, you're more gifted. You're better looking. God sees us all the same. And that's what's so nice about Christianity is the field is leveled. We are all in the same boat together. Our roles may be different, our callings may be different, but we are all the same before God. When we all get to the glory and we're with him, we will all see each other as we are. And there's going to be only one king. There's going to be only one voice that we will answer to. And we will do it with all of our heart because we, we will be without sin at that time. Can you imagine being without sin? Have you ever thought about it? It, it, it's, it's almost like it's so foreign to us. It's so foreign to me to be completely without sin. How often are your thoughts straying? How often are your attitudes, your emotions leading you down a path? And, and our day is filled with them. And yet to be void of all of that, wow, that's, that's going to be so different than anything we've ever known or experienced. In Psalm 13, uh, 119, it says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Your word, God. Psalm 119, verse 140, it says, Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. I love the word of God. Do you love the word of God? I mean, do you really love it? Learn to love it. Grow to love it. And if your heart is in a place where, you know, it just seems like a textbook and you're not really getting anything out of it, read the word of God and just continue to read and pray over it. And if you need help, get a commentary. Pray to God and ask him to reveal it to you even better. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting something to help you out with some things. But get into it and let it come alive to you again. Get into a holy habit because there's so many habits that we do that are okay. (laughs) But to have a holy habit is a whole different matter. God wants to get you into a holy habit. Some habits are good. In Psalm 12, verse 6, it says this, The words of the Lord are pure words, like tried silver in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. And the word of God is a cleansing agent. You know, that's why it's so important as we walk through this life to to be in the word of God, because you and I both know that everything you come in contact with, the media, the news, um, uh, talk at work among your fellow co-workers, wherever you're at, you just become defiled very quickly in the world that we live in. Just walking in it, just walking in it, just waking up and putting your, your pants on and your shoes and going out the door, you're, you're in for defilement throughout the day. 
And so how can we expect to be going out there and not being cleansed from those things? For every hour that we're out there, we had to be spending a lot of time. I mean, it's too bad we didn't have 48 hours, because I think if we were in the world for you know, eight hours in a day, we need to spend double that in the Word just to clean our mind from all the stuff that we've been encountered throughout the day. But let the Word of God have its place in your heart and let it cleanse you. Your whole attitude, your worldview will change dramatically as you read the Word of God. All of a sudden, everything else is like pale in comparison. What did God say about His Word? He said, isn't my Word like a hammer? What is the chaff to the wheat? The chaff is the refuse. That's the things of the world. The information that we can take in, the books that we can read, that's like the chaff. What is the chaff to the wheat? The wheat, the grain, the full Word of God. That is what changes you. That's what keeps you. Jesus keeps you, and he keeps you in and through his word by being obedient to it. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. uh, Paul speaking to husbands. He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify, and here it is, cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, the pure milk of the word. We are to cleanse our wives, men, in the word, We are to pray with them. We are to wash ourselves in the word, every one of us. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That word milk um, literally means gala. It's kind of fun, isn't it? The pure work, the pure milk of the word, the the, the word pure is, I'm sorry, the word milk is gala. And it's, it's a metaphor for less difficult Christian truths, the very basics of Christianity. That's what the milk of the word is, just the very basic things. To know that there was a virgin birth, to know that we have sinned and come short of the glory of God, to know that God didn't leave us in that state, but uh, he came through the Virgin Mary, and Jesus lived for 33 years, and then finally was put to death on the cross. Three days later, he rose again, and then he was on the earth for 40 days, and then he ascended from the Mount of Olives, and he ever lives to make intercession for us, and he's coming back in a day very soon. These are the very tenets of the faith, that he died on the cross for us. Those are, that's the milk of the word. And it's okay because when you're an infant, you need the milk. And Peter acknowledges that these were young believers and that they should take in the pure milk of the word. And, you know, growing is a process. It takes time. And if you're like me, sometimes I get impatient in the process. I just want to get from point A to point B. And, you know, is there a shot that I can take? Is there a pill that I can take? Is there a diet that I can undergo to get me from here to there quickly? And the answer is no. God could have created robots and just said, you know what, I'm just going to make you perfect. (laughs) And then where would the love be? A robot doesn't have a choice to love, but a person who has a will and has the ability to choose between good or evil, the ability to choose between my way or God's way, and I choose God's way and I, I listen to him, that is where true love really is. It's a choice. It goes way beyond the fireworks of the flesh goes way beyond beauty. I've said this before. I, one of the greatest examples of, of love that I've seen, other than Jesus on the cross, obviously that was the best, but I've heard of Joni Erickson Tata. She's um, a quadriplegic, um, and she, uh, she can't move. And her husband, what a wonderful man this is. I mean, he, uh, a number of times during the night he has to turn her over. He has to flip her over on her side so she doesn't have problems. 
And he does that. He's been doing it for years. That is love. Not even thinking of himself. Is he inconvenienced? Yes. Was Jesus inconvenienced? I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in 1 Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.